welcome to another fine edition of the Dungeons and Diapers podcast. I'm your host, Crofton Steers. With me, as always, my co-host, Ryan Murphy. Let's cut to the chase, shall we? Let's get down to business, down to brass tacks. People say I delay the openings of these podcasts sometimes a little too long. Don't get right to the heart of the matter right away. But this time I'm committed, you know, boom, intro one, boom, intro two. Then just right into it, right into the show. No filler, no stuff where I'm just like killing time, not valuing the listener's time. I value the listener's time. And that's why I'm committed to going right into it this week with this great new edition of the Dungeons and Diapers podcast. With me, Ryan Murphy. How's it going, Ryan? Good, good. We're we we missed a week. We've we've delayed a week, but we did have a Spider-Man spoiler cast in there. So hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Uh, turned out to be a longer episode than just a special. It was it was basically its own thing. So um, we recorded quite late last episode prime. So but we're back. We're here. We're ready to talk about uh, checks notes uh, dungeons. Dungeons. <laughs> also, like who knew? Stick a mic in front of my mouth and ask me to talk about Spider Man, and it went long. Who knew that was going to happen? But I, I, I will, I will say that if people like that sort of thing, like a spoiler cast, a deep dive on something, let us know. Um, I mean, I worry sometimes that's like exclusive to those who have seen the film. We went with the most popular movie of all time, so it made it kind of easier. Uh, potentially for folks, but like if there's something else you want us to go in on, let us know and we will consider it. No promises, but you know, we'll talk about it. We love your mail. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, uh, going back to your notes, let's just, you know, jump right there into the, uh, into the dungeons. And again, always got to take into account that any listener listening to the show might be the very first time they listen. Well, if that's the case, you are in for a treat because this is a very standard show. We are going to be talking dungeons. We're going to be talking diapers. Dungeons is the geekery that we enjoy in our personal lives. As fathers, we find space for it, be it a video game, a board game, a TV show, whatever. And the the uh, the uh, diapers are, uh, you know, all our kid-related stuff. How do we make it all work? What are stuff we did with the family? What are stuff that you guys are are doing with your families? So uh, yeah, we're gonna start as we tend to with the uh, the fun stuff that we're uh, we're doing. And what are you doing, Ryan? The past couple of weeks, it has been fun. Well, uh, I was trying to think of like all the video games I've been playing, and and honestly, uh, not a lot have been really making it past the initial conversation on gamers in i played a couple of them like on game pass i think uh immortality was one that was a bit of a bust uh and there was a couple others in there too i think uh destroy all humans too i I played as well but really like for the last couple of weeks and for the last month and a half i keep going back to xenoblade chronicles 3 i'm I'm still working my way through it Uh, i'm in the last chapter I mean, I don't know if some people get a little sensitive with spoilers in terms of like how many chapters there are. So I'll just say the last chapter. And uh, I am I know you and I have talked about this, our event dads discord group, which never disbanded after our last extra life event. Uh, but more on that, maybe in a couple episodes or maybe next episode. But uh, we've been talking about Xenoblade Chronicles three and side quest content. And, and I I kind of that's the only negative for me at least with this game is that if you get sucked into this need to do all the side content, at least for me, it can get a little dull and you kind of hit like you got that like glazed over look of like, Oh my gosh, skip, skip, skip forward, forward, forward. It's you can usually tell if you're getting into this like lull, if there's no voiceover and you do a lot of side quests and it's just all reading. And a lot of the text is don't get me wrong. It's well-written, but it's uh it's like, oh, I need you. Oh, we're having a problem. I need you to do this. It's like, okay, we'll go do that. And, you know, Uni makes a pun and uh, something about, you know, complains about something else. And hey, let's go do the thing. Okay. Fast travel there and fast travel back. And it's just, I think the side content, if you do too much of it at once, you can kind of get lost and a little um, down on the game. But I know you've had that problem as well, right? You've kind of uh, got stuck in side quests for a little bit and, and realized, like, oof, I need to. I need to veer off here and go back to the main quest. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, 
like I know a couple episodes back I was talking about should I get this game and I did and I was jonesing for like a large scale JRPG uh, I was wondering if I was kind of outgrowing them and then as I play it sometimes I think that I have and then other times I think oh no this is fantastic um, and like even thinking about some of my thoughts on the Spider-Man spoiler cast I I find like my my, the way that I tend to dissect these things, especially when put, given a mic in front of my, for, is I tend to t be critical about like the rough edges or the things that are, that are, that I find less engaging. And absolutely like I, last night I had maybe my worst night of Xenoblade and I'm about 60 hours in, which is, you know, a fairly big chunk of time to be in on any game. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to see this to the end. And I was doing side stuff. And so I felt like just yesterday down on it. But then the day before yesterday, um, you know, I was not feeling well. I was homesick. The girls were at school and I played a bit. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. And I was having such a good time. I, I was in the main quest and I hit a main sort of uh, major, major event in the main storyline. And I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. And this is really uh, engaging stuff. So I just, I just think that uh, by and large, it is a, um, it is a really fun and uh, amazing game, but it is also a story driven game. And it's, it's one that I, I really do want to see the story through to the, through it, to its completion. If the story was, did not exist in the game, like if, if, if it was like more like a, a Dark Souls uh, or a, uh, you know, uh, uh, Elden Ring, I would drop now because the gameplay and even the exploration is kind of like worn off. I, I it's the same beats, the same chests or, or, or like, uh, you know, all the all the mini stuff, I'm not going to go through it. People who play the game know what it is. I've seen it all over and over again. And while there are more detailed side quests, you know, it's really the main story. It, it, part of me is like, oh, maybe I should just watch the rest of the cutscenes on YouTube. You know, like that's a that's where it is. But I, I am committed. I feel like I'm, I'm close enough to the end to see it through. But I know that I'm at the, the push over the 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 end zone. Uh, and there's no major distractions right now. There's no uh, huge game that's out that I would rather jump into. Um, and so, and, you know, like as a, as a dad, I have not, you know, like Breath of the Wild, I last played it. I played it with my, my daughter and we were playing it together. So we were playing it on the TV. But this is like, normally the games that I'm playing with my kids are on Switch. And the game that I'm playing is like on Xbox or whatever. In this case, the game that I'm playing is on Switch as well, and they're not playing it, and it's a giant, you know, RPG. And so the switch of it, the taking it upstairs, like when I'm doing bedtime and the girls are falling asleep and I'm sitting on my bed waiting for them to fall asleep because they won't let me go downstairs otherwise, now I can play Switch. And it's got the Bluetooth pairing with the earphones. I can jump right into it. When it's my night to do bedtime, I don't feel like I'm missing out on the game. And that is one thing that is really like the Switch is so awesome for uh, and that I've really, really been appreciating. Uh, so on the flip side of that, though, is the fact that while Xenoblade has some amazing character models and some other things that are really look nice, like I'm at the point where seeing it blown up on my big L OLED t TV, I'm just like, oh, these graphics are, you know, it's like playing a game from the Xbox 360 is essentially what it is. And uh, yeah, uh, I... To, to a certain extent, like, you know, I, I go back and play retro games all the time, but I, part of me is like, oh, this world is so cool and so neat. It would be nice if it had that extra, like, if this was an Xbox game, but it never will be because Nintendo owns the whole property. Anyway, I very much am enjoying it, Ryan. I'll be curious to hear your final thoughts when you finish it. And honestly, like, even though there might not be a ton of interest in a spoiler cast, because... Think about all the investment you would have to make to finish this game. I think just you and I would enjoy doing a spoiler cast when we finish the game because there's definitely enough to story to talk about. Yeah, I I think that if you were to uh, like my best advice for folks who are who are currently playing and and finding themselves lost in in side content is 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 just to do the main. So the main quest stuff, um, the Ascension quest, so essentially when you unlock a hero quest, or sorry, a, a new hero class, you can do an Ascension quest to, to upgrade them from their cap of rank 10 to rank 20. All those quests are voice. So if you get a quest that's voice, that usually means that 
uh, Monolith, the developers have basically said like, look, this quest deserves to have as much production behind it as possible. And I find that that is the best way uh, to determine if, you know, uh, if, if you do need to get out of that side quest funk. I would say, Ryan, though, to that, I, I only do those. Like, I don't know what other side... I guess there's the little wiener side quests. I stopped doing those ages ago. I only do those voice ones. And it was one doing... It, I was doing one yesterday where I was like, okay, I've seen this same sort of quest a zillion times over. Like, I would say if you're getting sick of it, as I am, and once you're deep in the game, starts even skip that. You know, like, like just... You don't need to do all these Ascension quests or whatever, do you? No, you you don't need to do all of them. Um, I would even like if you are also finding yourself uh, not enjoying doing every one. Focus on the characters that you like. I mean, they're you're not gonna like all of the uh, hero classes. I think that the developers do a great job of of making sure you're gonna like the main six characters. But there are over thirty side uh, hero uh, characters. So you don't have to do all of them. And yeah, there are ones that I that I enjoy more than others. And if you want to see more of their personality, more of their interactions with the main cast, those Ascension quests are are basically the best way to, to do that. Because essentially the intro quest is them introducing that hero to your party. The Ascension quest is them essentially they're on good terms with your party and you're off to do like a... It's like a loyalty mission, essentially, like if you're thinking of in Mass Effect terms. Um, But uh, like I've enjoyed the ones that I've done and I have primarily looked at doing ones for characters that I find most interesting or have uh, fun relationships with the characters, you know, like banter between the two characters and fun dialogue. So I, I go for those. But for me, like the main story has really uh captured my attention and i think sometimes if you get lost in those side quests you can kind of lose sight a bit of like how epic and and grand and scope that the main story like there's a lot going on especially once you get it into the later chapters and if you've played the other games like i feel like this game is more connected in meaningful ways to the first two that the others didn't like two did not have two is a, a passing sort of note i think i feel like three really does say like hey this is a this is like not just like a final fantasy type thing where we just we reset the universe every time like there is a connection here and i think the how they connect it with certain characters and certain worlds and all that um i got two questions on this yes one one is uh i'm in as i said uh you know i'm 60 hours and you have a rough sense again your point about spoilers is well made time won't say what chapter but like, should I have seen? Like, I have not played Xenoblade One or Two, the Chronicles games. I so I'm going to miss out on all of those connections or whatever. Like, I just I'm not going to get them. Should I have already like? Have they already happened in my game, or are they all like end loaded at the end? In which point, I'm not going to understand jack shit because it's all going to be references to games I haven't played. No, like it's not like it. They aren't plot points where, oh man, I would only understand this if I played the other ones. I think what if you haven't played those games, you're you're watching these cutscenes play through. You're you're seeing name drops, and you're just like, that's just the name of that character who is important to this specific game. Um, like I'm trying to think of an example where it wouldn't necessarily be a spoiler, but like, yeah, like I think that um. Like early on, you have uh, yeah. There's probably no way to do it safely, but but what I'm saying is like they'll do a name drop to you. It's just another uh, another name um, alongside all the other names. But to people who've played the games, they're like, oh, that's interesting. But it's not like you have to know where that character comes from. Now later on, there's there's a bit more, but all the context is given. If if you didn't know that those characters, those things existed previously uh it doesn't matter like you don't need so that i got i i have a specific question i don't sure. think this is a spoiler really at one point you go to a place and there's statues of all these characters uh you know like it's sort of like a an urban uh, an urban place where there's a lot of characters like a big town or whatever right. there's a bunch of statues are those statues of characters from previous games and see this is the thing i don't think so I've played two 
to, uh, through through to completion. And to me, it's like when I when I saw that moment and when it, I thought the same. Oh, are these connected to the previous games? And uh, just looking at them, like, oh, I I don't think they are. But again, like, God I damn it! I, I thought I was like, I was like that. Oh, that's it. Those are from other games. I'm like, that's a good thing. I don't really need to know anybody. I'm like, that's. They all had plaques, and you could go read each plaque about each one. I'm like, oh, I bet the Xeno nerds are eating this shit up. But in the end, it wasn't that. So like now, now I'm now I'm really worried about later in the game. It'll be like, yeah. Anyway. I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like you've you've experienced some stuff in the story that if you had played the other two or were aware of some of the characters and, and whatnot, um, you'd be like, oh, wow, that sounds familiar. But like, again, do you feel like you're missing something? No. Or are you just having FOMO? No, no. I, I, I'm not. Look, I feel like I'm not missing anything. But my fear is that I'm heading into the last end of the game and that that is where they're going to end load it and they're going to they're going to be like okay now because there's still a lot of mysteries to be kind of revealed about the origins of the world how things are connected like there's i won't i won't talk about the mysteries one thing i say is a driving plot point is the mysteries and it is interesting you come in you like you understand what the core conceit of the world is and for those who have never heard of this game it's that there's these two armies that are in perpetual war on this planet um and they don't sort of question they're bred for war through these this test tube program then they live for 10 years and then they die and uh the war goes ever onwards so there's a lot of mysteries like why are they fighting this war like who's breeding them in test tubes all of this sort of stuff like the, right it's front loaded you're like okay and you like like a, a show like lost or anything you're teased throughout you're like okay you learn a little bit more about each of the characters a little bit more about what's going on but even where i am they haven't resolved everything right like a lo- some things have been shown some things have been revealed but um, i'm very fearful that they're going to totally moff the ending which is very possible for a jrpg like this that works on melodrama and high emotion or whatever like maybe lost the ending where it'll be like really um you know more about the emotions than the logic of of how things how things come together and a big part of what i'm concerned about in the last bit is like everything up to the present i've understood for you know as best that i can but if the end is all references or the reveals only make sense if you've played two and one then i'm going to be like well fuck i just wasted like 80 hours you know i should have played those two games first yeah, I've personally I've not finished the game, so I don't know if we get into like heavy. Um, hey, you know, here's some Xenoblade one and two stuff. I, I think that I think that the story is structured in a way so far, and that if you haven't played those games, um, you can enjoy what's being presented to you. But if you have played those games, it's a nice bonus with the story, I think, and they and they balance it really well. And I think again, even if we don't record the conversation if we both end up finishing it in a timely fashion we can have that chat of like okay i i played two i'm aware of one you haven't played either of them let's compare thoughts on the ending like story wise i think the best beats leading up to where i am um have been sort of the xenoblade chronicles 3 world uh and and not really impacted by by knowledge of the previous games but there are moments where I think there's uh, there's more there's there's a larger appreciation if you'd if you've if you've experienced the other games. But I don't think it ruins it um, because it's it, yeah, I don't think it ruins it if you haven't played them. But if you have, it enhances it, I think. All right. I'll leave it at there. I know we're going to be talking about this again, and I know that people are like, well, what am I listening to the Xenocast? You guys yeah. have got three episodes. I will say that when when playing a long game like this um you know uh it's taking up all my gaming time so for me it it's just as a dad i only have so much space for it and so much space in my life for this this type of thing so it you know i expect probably one more episode talking about this as i as we uh we we conclude and we move on to the next games there's a couple of games like coming to game pass including um death loop and stuff that i've I, i've had eyes on i i have no doubt that 
I will be into that. And I, I kind of want to play the old God of War before the new God of War comes out. So like I have played the old God of War, but only at launch and I haven't, I haven't replayed it. I think it might be worth it. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dabble in that uh, stuff, Ryan, and uh, hopefully have some non Xeno talk uh, for a future dungeons. But I, I did want to do something a bit different. Um, for my side of the dungeons today, a little experiment, if you will, Ooh. Ryan. Um, it's not so much a, an exciting experiment as much as I realize that you and I have this pulpit of a podcast in which we can sort of talk about what we want. And we've created these buckets, which I outlined up the top. And when we talk about these things, in the end, we talk about like, you know, the things that we want to talk about. But I recognize that uh, sometimes things don't fit perfectly. Um and uh, so I was thinking about like, well, like, is there a way that I could make a, I don't know, a corner, a space to talk about these things? And this week, because I knew you were going to bring Xenoblade, and I know that's really all I have to talk about in the dungeons, I thought, what would be interesting to me, and I don't know that it is interesting to you or the listeners, but that's the benefit of my part of the dungeons, I can just do it anyways, is, is talking about some of the uh, games that when I was a kid um, left an impression on me personally and that I have tremendous nostalgia for. Um, and it, they're not necessarily games that I'm playing at this exact moment. It's sort of like this is the equivalent of your favorite Twitch streamer, assuming that I'm your favorite podcaster, obviously, Um going going over and streaming like an older game and being like hey check out these old graphics you know uh, i would like to do that and talk about instead of talking about a game i'm playing or a show i'm watching talking about a game i did play uh 30 years ago ryan do you allow it uh yeah and i mean like i it is funny uh in that i had such a I, there wasn't a lot of games coming out, and again, I I can't talk about Xenoblade every week on on Gamers In. I uh, I ended up playing Wave Race '64 on Nintendo Switch, so I am all in on talking. And I know '64 is not it's retro, but like it's not like everybody's retro. But the N64 is is back there for me. But um, yeah, so yeah, what what are we talking about? Thirty years. That's uh, I I would have been I would have been five. So what are we talking about? Wait, I think I'm going further back than 30. I'm not 100% sure here. My math is poor. Um, so, so like, lately there's been all this talk uh, about there's a recite, um, Ron Gilbert returned to the um, adventure gaming space with Monkey Island, uh, a new Monkey Island game. Ron Gilbert is one of the creators of, of, of Monkey Island after the first two Monkey Island adventure games. Um, he he left the series. Lucas Arts continued it, and and they made other adventure games, but not with the the creator's involvement. And now he's back, and a new Monkey Island game is coming out very soon. And I'm quite excited about that. But also, Ken and Roberta Williams, who are the founders of Sierra Online, which also made adventure games in the 1980s, 90s. Um, they they have been outside of the gaming world for for years and years. They were inducted into the Gaming Hall of Fame by Jeff Keighley at his Game Awards or whatever a year or so ago, two years ago. But um, they are now re-entering the gaming space and they're they're doing a remake of an old game that they made called Colossal Cave Adventure. I think it's coming out pretty soon in the fall as well. So all of this stuff is going on. It made me think about adventure games and how I got into gaming originally. Um, Ryan, are you familiar with what an adventure game is? Yes. Yes, I am. You are? Oh, yeah. Like, like, do you want to explain it or do you want me to explain uh, well, it? Well, okay. Well, let me think. Um, so an adventure game. So for my experience for adventure games, I entered PC gaming, uh, quite late. Um, so I wouldn't have experienced like the, the start of adventure games, but I think I picked up like I remember playing like some of the early Telltale games, which sort of felt close to a, a, like a reimagining of, of those types of games. So like it's a point and click adventure. You have an inventory. You're interacting with certain things, that sort of stuff. Right. Absolutely. You're right on. And it, it's um, 
adventure games are are generally plot driven, like story driven. Um, and at the time when they were first kind of like hitting the scene um, in the early 80s to like there's Sierra and LucasArts were the two major heavy hitters throughout the um the 80s and 90s, although there were other other adventure games uh, made, um, meet, like they were making games in which you control the character. You know, you often walk screen to screen. You picked up items. You had you had your items. You used them to solve puzzles. You would talk to characters, and most importantly, you're going on an adventure. And what is no, n- notable about this is there's no real and I didn't this didn't occur to me much as a kid. There wasn't much violence like it, when when you compare it to other games. Like you're you're actively like talking to characters and solving puzzles, and also the storylines were much more like you have to understand that like on the console at the time, like maybe the original Final Fantasy is out and it's like the the example of a fantastic story on um on console and if you play the original nes version of final fantasy with its uh english translation and barely few words and you compare it to the the monkey monkey island one or 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 or, um uh you know like uh any of the sierra games at the time it's just like you know it's ridiculous like what they were doing narratively was so much more impressive and so like as a kid that was like you know i was 10 and 1990 and and like looking for games that are like you know somewhat more challenging i wasn't allowed to have a console i was like drawn to these games um and and particularly the sierra games and it's funny because people will talk about the lucas arts games these are the monkey islands the day of the tentacle the tim schaefer games grim fandango they they're they've stood the test of time and they're more artistically i guess sound for lack of a better word the sierra games had like often situations where you could not pick up an item and then get to a point later in the game and you were screwed you know like it you also uh lucas arts decided that your character could not die um so that meant that uh you know you could just do all sorts of goofy stuff and not worry about death where in C- in sierra games they almost had fun finding different ways to kill you like it was it was like there were some games that it's just ridiculous uh, how many ways that there are to die. So again, like if you're in a bad spot and you save the game at the wrong time, oh, you've screwed yourself. So the Sierra games don't stand up in the same way as the LucasArts games. But as a kid, the Sierra games took themselves like, even though they were loaded with jokes, a little more seriously. And as a kid, like as a kid, I appreciated the fact that Monkey Island was a complete farce. Like it's like a jokey pirate game. It's not an actual pirate game. You know, it's like, it's a joke. And that's fun. Just like watching a comedy movie is fun. But sometimes as a kid, you like, you want that escapism of feeling like you're actually doing adventure stuff right like and sierra for me for my money they were the ones that were able to do that uh quite a bit like quite a, quite a bit better when i would play their games i felt like i was whisked away to whatever land that they were sort of um they were just they were setting up so i'm not gonna go because i could go through like so many games that i played and say be like this one was good this one was super awesome this one was extra awesome but i do want to focus on one series in particular here, which is um, the Quest for Glory series. Ryan, have you ever heard of this series before? No, I, I'm aware of King's Quest, Monkey Island for sure, but I, I've, I've never heard of that one. So Quest for Glory was originally called Heroes Quest, oh. and they they got sued by Milton Bradley, who also launched a game called Hero Quest, a board game at the same time. Now there's a lot of dispute to like you know I think Heroes Quest was out first, but like they trademarked it first, and anyway it became a thing to the point that they had to re name it if they wanted to continue the series so they changed the name to quest for glory so the original game that came out in like 1989 i think quest for uh heroes quest one so you want to be a hero and then there's heroes quest uh, quest for glory 2 trial by fire quest for glory 3 wages of war quest for glory 4 shadows of darkness and quest for glory 5 dragon fire and 
there's a lot of things that were unique about these games, but one thing why I think that they hold up to a certain extent today, Quest for Glory 1 was remade. Sierra made remade all their first games. So like you can get a VGA version of Quest for Glory 1. It came out in like 1992 or something. So like four years later, they remade it in better graphics. I still, my affinity is to the OG 16 color EGA version uh, of, of Heroes Quest. But um, what I'd say, Ryan, is what this did was they mixed the Quest for Glory games, mixed role-playing games, which were still kind of a novelty at the time, with adventure games. So you would choose if you were going to be a fighter, a magic user, or a thief at the beginning. And then you could solve puzzles different ways. So you get to a locked door. If you're the thief, you could maybe pick the lock. If you're the magic user, you cast the open spell. If you're the fighter, you barge the door down, you knock the door down. Now, each of those actions is limited by like, is your open spell good enough? Is your pick lock skill up enough? Is your strength high enough like to knock over the door? So like there's this role-playing element to it, right? You know, like where you're going and you do things to up your skills. And there was a combat, like an arcade combat system. Like you'd walk in the woods, goblins would fight you and you get into this little arcade like fighting game. You could parry and you could attack. But meanwhile, it was still very much an adventure game. Like you're finding items and you're solving. The first game takes place in the Valley of Spielberg and you're solving all these sort of problems in the valley and defeating the brigand leader and and saving the the valley um and to this day i've never really played a game that is so well a, a role-playing game like that that is so well self-contained and has such a sense of space it's really pretty cool um but the other thing I wanted to mention, Ryan, is that at the end of the game, it did something really weird, which is that it let you save your character on a diskette because uh, that was that what you did at the time. And when you started the next game, when they released the next game, you could import your character uh, to the next game. So you could carry the same character eventually through five games, meaning your stats follow you from game to game. There's not really decisions that follow you necessarily, like really, it's mostly your stats. At the end of Quest for Glory 2, if you are like a fighter and you're being really nice to everybody and charitable, you can be made a paladin by this guy at the end. And the paladin class was only available in Quest for Glory 3 and 4 if you had imported a character from 2. So you actively had to become a paladin in 2, and they had their own powers and did their own thing. So like this this series did so many crazy things, and each game was set in its own like world. One was desert world, one was jungle, you know, one was you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Anyway. I'll end here just to say that if you have not checked out Quest for Glory, uh, you can buy the whole collection on Steam. I know, like, I have huge nostalgia goggles. I could never look at it un from an unbiased point of view. But I do think, like, for kids, as an entry point into a world of an adventure with like jokes and stuff like that. Like if you're able to get by the, the, the old pic, you know, pixel art VGA graphics of the day, you're going to find a pretty awesome uh, series there. And Laurie and Corey Cole, the main creators of it, they've made like other games since they have their own sort of studio. But back in the day when they're working in Sierra, that was as big as budget as games got, you know, like they got, they didn't, they were the top like adventure games were big money then. So anyway, I wanted to take my dungeons time today to talk about adventure games and maybe now at some other time I'll talk about monkey Island and some of those games, but I wanted to highlight quest for glory this time. And maybe, I don't know, Ryan, if people like this, I can talk about other things in the future, make it a recurring bit. Yeah, that would be cool. I think that, uh, retro games are, uh, are, are a big thing you know like i i think that there's so many ways to experience those games now and and uh you know as i said through nintendo switch online or even through steam i i think there's just so many avenues to highlight um to check that stuff out so that's that's really cool so did they do any sort of uh i don't i don't want to say remake work but or like did they do any remastering of of the quest for glory series or 
No, they did not. Uh, um, they like the only thing they did is Sierra themselves, as I mentioned, did did like they got like five years into making adventure games and then decided all their first ones in each series, Police Quest One, King's Quest One, Space Quest One, Heroes Quest One, would all get remade in VGA graphics, and they made they made complete new games. Like, uh, um, and some people were argue like I will. Ha- I I enjoyed Police Quest, but the VGA version is just way better. Has way more dialogue. Is way more interesting quest for glory i kind of i i like the original ega version but sierra like and there's you know ken williams recently wrote a book about this like it it meant it met a corporate uh end a very sort of unceremonious end um it became bought by activision and activision in the end released packages like you could buy you can get all the you know you can get all those games on steam or whatever but they had saw no value in them right and and part of me is when the microsoft acquisition the looking for game pass content i could very much see them being like well like all these sierra games we could you know we could do remasters or we could do updated versions I honestly think Quest for Glory and again nostalgia goggles would hold up. Like you could remaster if you remastered it, just or, or sorry, redid it, like remade it. It would it would hold up pretty well. The fifth one is very odd because it was at the time where CDs. It came out the same year as Ocarina of Time. I know this because at Christmas I got Quest for Glory five and everybody else was getting Ocarina of Time. Uh, but uh, so it was at that time like. 64s were out so like the computer graphics obviously always way ahead of where consoles were um the graphics for Quest for glory 5 are look you know like i mean they don't don't look great today but but they they were pretty advanced there and they had a full orchestral score i think by this guy chance thomas did the do the and anyway the music was so good i could not believe how good it was um and the combat system everything was like sort of better but it was still an adventure game and it was like probably not the best of the series because at that time you know i i don't know if time had passed it by or whatever but it wraps the story up there are threads that follow throughout all the games it it, it brings those to a head i think people talked about four is probably the best one but it was extremely buggy on launch um and i know you know they patched it up or whatever uh but yeah i would be curious if somebody out there wants to like you know try something new is like we're in a gaming dry spell i'm gonna i'm gonna go back i would i would love to hear what your impressions are of uh quest for glory as a series from um from like 2022 like going back and running it on on your pc never having played it before I do again think like a, a ten-year-old would be like perfect for this. Like this is this is like adventure adventuring for ten-year-olds. You know, like good you know jokes, excitement, all of that sort of stuff. Some action, but not overly gory. Um, uh, really, really uh, good, good stuff. Yeah, I, I think it was mistaken. It was uh, King's Quest that I'm familiar with, only because they did like a reboot game in 2016 and i think those are the ones that i've played they're also sierra online but it's not it's not the same folks is it ryan you're opening cans of worms um so king's quest was was the sort of like the kickoff series by sierra it was uh roberta williams and her husband Ken Williams launched Sierra Online, and Roberta was like Ken was just like he will say it himself. He was just the tech muscle; like he didn't have any creative ideas. It was really Roberta that was like plotting it all out. And King's Quest was really kind of not a send up of fairy tales, but set in the world of fairy tales. And you're like a knight that's going out. The king's really sick, and you're going out trying to get a a remedy for the king. In the end, you become the king's successor, or whatever. Uh, and then in the following King's Quest, like you're you're out looking for a queen, and it, but it's an adventure game or whatever. King's Quest three, you're the son, and four, you're the daughter. Like they had a whole series, and it was their cornerstone series. Um, I never really connected super well with King's Quest. Um, I think because it was just it just felt like I don't know, like. I had uh, King's Quest 2 was the one that I had. It was really poor graphics, even at the time. I think CGA four color graphics or maybe EGA graphics. And it was just not like there was little plot to it. 
Um, I know King's Quest six and five I love and are, are very strong games, but I don't know the um, if I'm ranking the Sierra games, King's Quest are on 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 the lower end generally for me personally. I know some folks would disagree, but uh, Quest for Glory would be like in terms of series, uh, you know, right right up there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's the one that, and, and I feel it's the one that people don't know about. People know about King's Quest. People know about Space Quest because of its satirical jabs on Star Trek and Star Wars and Aliens. People know Space Quest. People know Leisure Suit Larry, uh, you know, because it was pushing the sort of like naughty bits in games and, and naughty jokes well before, you know, it's time. Uh, so it's known, but Quest for Glory which I think is the best of the bunch as a series and was made by, again, another husband, I think, and wife combo and Lori and Corey Cole. Uh, Ken and Roberta hired them and they hired other game designers to make other series. They hired this guy, Jim Walls, who was a retired cop to develop the police quest series. And it is funny reading interviews uh, on that time today because Jim clearly knew nothing about game design or whatever. He just brought the process around being a cop. Like to give you an idea in police quest, if you drive your cop car off the parking lot without inspecting all four tires, your car immediately explodes and you get a game over. So, <laughs> so like, he's like, Nope, by the book, you have to inspect all four tires. It was all very process driven. So he, so Ken and Roberta, while that King's Quest was their main series, they would hire these de designers. And honestly, those designers got such a cool, like, like a cool opportunity to be able to be the creative masterminds of these series. And Laurie and Corey Cole, in my mind, are like the most talented of those, of those. Uh, I think Jane Jensen, obviously she did Gabriel Knight. She did King's Quest six, I think is probably like you would point to as well, but, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, really, really great stuff. Honestly, I could talk about Sierra adventure games um, and um, what you would call it. LucasArts adventure games all day so i should put a pin in it and we should move to the dungeons ryan the diapers oh right that's right i had one job <laughs> all right it's okay you were you were you were traveling back in time as to when diapers were uh were not in your and i was wearing diapers wait yeah. no well <laughs> depends on how long you played uh king's quest for or whatever Mainline, main, mainlining heroes quest. Um, all right. Uh, so Ryan, it is a return to school, as you know. Yes. Uh, so I am just going to ask you straight up: How did it go for your uh, brood of children this year? Uh, who's in school? How did the return go? And uh, any any notable breakdowns? Uh, well, I mean, for Caden, he, he's very excited. So he started grade one. Um, he loves his new teacher. He loves the challenge, uh, the increased challenge of, of grade one in comparison to kindergarten. Cause there's a big difference. You're going from sort of a more free flowing classroom of kindergarten, you know, a lot of group tables, uh, you know, toys and, and playtime to grade one where you have an individual desk that you sit at. And, um, you know, there was, we, we weren't sure how that transition would go because he's, he's not one to sit still. He, he constantly needs to be, uh, challenged with, uh, with, with, uh, either learning or like he wants to learn. He, he just soaks it up. So I, I mean, on one hand I was like, I don't know how he's going to do from an attention standpoint, but I also think the increased challenge will really do him well. And he's in a split grade. So he's in a one, two grade. And I think that gives the teacher a little more flexibility and like, okay, if he needs to be challenged, maybe we give him a little more grade two stuff, a little more, you know, challenging uh, work and, and whatnot. I know from a math perspective, he's a, he's a little bit further ahead uh, than, than his, his current level, but yeah, he, he's really enjoying it. Having a great time, <laughs> have not gotten any uh, complaints from the teacher yet, which is perfect. That's what we want to hear. I know it's only been a week, but you, I, you know, like these days with the communication tools we have, uh, they can just send a quick text if something's going wrong. So, and, and so far nothing there. So that's good. Um, Abby's, uh, started senior kindergarten. So second year of kindergarten, um, 
she struggled last year because it was her first year and going on the bus and there was a real struggle there, but she got past it. So this year was completely different. Ran right on the bus, no problem, having a great time, enjoying school. Yeah, she gets a little tired by the end of the week and but really like the weekend's a nice recovery for her and yeah, school's going great. Uh for the most part. I mean, we're still dealing with some some bus stuff, so I gotta I gotta figure out a way to keep Caden busy on the bus. I've you know, forty five minute bus ride is not easy for uh for for folks to just sit there and wait, especially at that age. And um I don't know, you're a city guy, so you probably when you started taking buses, you were probably a little bit older and maybe you didn't. Did you take a school bus when you were a kid? Dude, did I take a school bus? I I was a country bumpkin. I was oh. in one town. I was in an English town and I took a bus to a French town, uh, you know, French Catholic school. And uh, it was like maybe a 40 minute bus ride um, every morning and and uh, and afternoon. And then and then I took. When I went to high school, the high school was in the city and definitely it was like an hour bus ride there and back with all the stopping and starting. So, yeah, I have taken my fair share of school buses, but neither of my kids, although they're like, wow, the bus looks fun. Neither of them have taken the bus because I live a block from the school. Two blocks. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Well, then you and I are in a similar boat where I, I had the same experience. You know, I lived in the country. Uh, even though one of our schools, uh, the the elementary school was also in the country, there was three buses that went to it and that, those buses were filled. It was about an hour bus ride. And the thing I the thing uh, with Caden and, and Abby's bus ride is like they pack that bus. They got like three kids to a seat at, in Caden's age. And like, you know, that's not a lot of space. You cram, you know, the you know, those uh, that many kids in a confined space, I mean, you're going to have issues. I think it's just, it's, it's bound to happen. I, I mean, kids need their space too. And, and those seats while large, the benches while large, like you factor in all the stuff that you got to bring, uh, to school every day in a backpack, like a lunch and books and, and water and all that. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Like it's, it's wild. So we're trying to find some ways for Caden to have something to do on the bus. And we talked about this last year a little bit, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's coming back up again. So we're trying to get, get it sorted early in the year, because obviously if it continues, uh, it's going to have some issues there, but for the most part, uh, Caden is receptive and so is the bus driver. She's super helpful. So, um, I've gotten some new kids podcasts, uh, to try out because I think the stories podcasts are, are getting a bit bit old for him. Um, he's not too interested in those anymore. So I got some like kids science podcasts. Just old because he's heard them so much, not because he's necessarily grown out of them. Uh, you know what? It could be a bit of both. I think because it's the only podcast that the kids have engaged with um, for the last couple of years or the last year, like I think they're just getting... Uh, not tired, but they just want some, they want to mix it up, you know? And I think like, you know, I, I know folks at home who listen to this podcast. I mean, Crofton may like to think this is the only podcast you listen to, but I'm sure you listen to many others. Um, it, like it's not very often you're just going to listen to one. And I, and I think that's where not necessarily Caden knows he's like missing out, but like, yeah, I mean, they watch Netflix. They know there's a, there's more than one TV show, you know, more than one piece of content. And I think he's just, He's excited to learn more. So we got some science, we got some history, some fun sort of, you know, kids ask questions. Let's spend 30 minutes to talk about popcorn or something. And like, he'll eat that all up. So uh, I'm hoping that'll help um, and uh, and keep him focused on just making it through the bus ride. And I think it just he gets bored and, uh, you know, sometimes he'll pester his, the person who's sitting with him. Yeah, it's just... And it's that type of behavior that's like, if if it go if it goes you know unchecked for too long, like it can cause some safety issues. So we just want to make sure that like he's not he's not a bad kid. He's just bored, and you know I don't know. He's just he's not used to that long on bus ride. And how long is it again, Ryan? Sorry? I think you know what. To be honest, I think it's about forty to forty five minutes. Oh yeah, that's long. It's long, yeah, yeah. you know, and and he'll grow out like. 
he'll grow out of it. He's starting to read. Like, honestly, it's so wild because he's only been in school for a week. And, you know, part of the homework, the English homework, the teacher says, like, okay, you know, read a read, do some 20 minutes of reading every night. So now he's starting to read. He's starting to sound out words. He's getting better and better every day. So I said to him, like, look, eventually you're just going to be able to rock some books on the bus. That's what your dad. That's what I did. You know, uh, we weren't allowed to take our, you know, this is before Game Boys, but we weren't taking the Game Boys on the bus. I would read books. I had an hour bus ride. Uh, you know, my bus ride for high school is about an hour and a half with a transfer. So again, like books is what we read. So I, I think like we just got to get him to that point where he can you know, soak his mind in a good book and and uh, it'll be over before you know it. He enjoys the bus ride. I think he just gets bored, you know, especially at the end of the day after being like so engaged at school. And then suddenly it's like, OK, no, you got to sit still and be somewhat quiet for 40 minutes. Like that's tough, you know. Um, so we're trying to, to help that out. But it so far, it's been a good uh, it's been a good week. Um, Izzy's in daycare, but again, like she's still doing the daycare thing. She's fine with that. Uh, she won't start even preschool until next September. So we're going to do a couple days a week there just to get her used to that environment. But uh, yeah, it's been good. How's uh, how's your school return been going? Amazing. Of course, um, of course it has. That's great. So a couple of things. So first off, like Clara is being dying to go to school for the past couple of years. So she's four. She started JK. She's just like kicked the door open, was like, I'm here, suckers. Nice. And like was really like, they, you know, it, it's almost la- it's almost laughable. The other thing is that Gwen – Gwen and you know got a new teacher, but it, which doesn't sound like a big deal, except when you realize that she's had the same teacher in grade when she loved in in her last grade in both grades of kindergarten. She didn't have that teacher in grade one. She had the, her grade two, JK, and and kindergarten. So you know, like this is only the third teacher she's ever had, but already they've hit it off perfectly. Uh, you know, Gwen's a really easy kid, I think, to teach. And every day they're coming home and they're like, and Gwen is telling me, hey, want to do this new cool math trick I learned today? Or want to, like, she's immediately wanting to tell me about all the, the knowledge she's gained and stuff. And it's crazy. Like, first week they're already dropping all this stuff. And Clara is telling me every day about these, like, oh, we're getting a hamster in the class and he's called Skittles and he's coming tomorrow. And I'm so excited. And like, yeah, uh, this morning we had a breakfast at the school for parents and it was in the schoolyard and we all came and we're just like socializing and talking and they did kind of a beginning of school year talk. And I just feel so fortunate that uh, my, my kid's school is so amazing. I'm really, really happy with it. I'm really, really happy that their experiences so far have been really positive. I'm really, really happy that I only have to drop them in one place and don't have to do two drop-offs. I'm really, really happy I don't have to pay daycare fees anymore. Um, all of that sort of stuff. The one thing, and this is the always the downside that I bring up, which for us is a big downside, is the school starts at 8 in the morning, which is really early. And, like, it's close to our house, and my alarm still goes at 7. So, like, that's not so bad. And and, and then we're, we're able to get there for 8. Gwen desperately doesn't want to be late. Clara doesn't. They, they, they really pull their weight in the morning. But, like, today it was the breakfast. And they're like, be here at 7.30 for the breakfast. And I was like, 7.30, you know. So uh, it's been a long been a long day. But that is the one sort of sacrifice um, that, that the school comes with. But so far it has been really great. I keep telling Jess, I keep expecting the other foot to drop, the other shoe to drop. And I, I'm starting to understand the parents who are like celebrating on social media when their kids go back to school, they're going back. Cause it really feels like that. Like I love my kids and I was off all of August with them, but you know, it is so nice that they're going somewhere and having fun. And like, you know, I, I took a day for myself this week uh, and I was so happy to be able to do it. I hadn't, I hadn't done it for so long. It felt so good. Um, so yeah, all all told, uh, everything is being going great, Ryan, it, with regards to to school. 
and I'm hoping that it continues as such. I keep expecting Clara's going to have like a breakdown just being completely exhausted because the other thing is that she used to nap at, at daycare and now she is no longer napping, which again is super beneficial for us because she falls asleep really quick. It was my turn to do bedtime tonight and I wouldn't have been able to podcast if she was – you know, sleeping the way that she normally does. But now she's like out right away because she is pooched after a long, uh, a long day. And I love it. So, so yeah, all is good. Hopefully continues to be good and glad to hear that, you know, things are going pretty well with Caden on the bus and, and, and starting up. But it's, it's, uh, it's nice to get back into a routine and to get over that hump so that the next time we have to think about routines isn't or like a change in routine isn't for hopefully some time, you know? Yeah. Oh, that is exciting. I think, uh, I think that it was it, getting back into routine for us was like, I think just based on how the kids wake up, they're usually up between six, six thirty. That gives us plenty of time to get the kids out to the bus for about eight twenty. Um, there's, there's that routine in the morning that, that is a bit of a shuffle, but, um, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm not like, I'm glad to be back in the school structure because I think that the kids really, really do appreciate, you know, that learning experience and, and seeing their friends as well. I mean, that was the thing we were so busy this summer that we didn't really like the kids didn't really hang out with their friends from school. Like they're still kind of young. Um, but there were a couple of, uh, there's even, you know, friends that are on their bus that are just up the street from us. But again, everyone's so busy. I'd say to them, like, oh, maybe we'll walk by and we'll see if there you know, vehicles there. And sure enough, the vehicle was never there. Like, all the parents are working, so the kids are off somewhere else. And uh, they're a bit bummed by that. But again, like, they're back to school, so they're happy. They're, they're playing at the bus stop. All is well. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a very busy summer. I mean, since we last spoke... Uh, just a quick update. Our last sort of summer excursion was one we did. Um, I think the last actually it was Labor Day weekend. We actually uh, we actually stayed over at a at a friend's house because um, we went to African Lion Safari, which is a sort of zoo experience uh, just outside uh, just outside uh, Cambridge, Ontario. And it's because like so. Long story short, Caden was like deathly afraid of elephants for some reason for like a good month or so like to be to be fair elephants could mess you up pretty good yes yeah they're 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 big animals and you know they're i don't know what happened i don't know why he was so scared but i mean to get him to sleep i had to convince him that i had an elephant protection system uh invisible fence type thing around the house and he didn't believe me so I took him into the office and I said, no, like the servers are in here that run, run it. And he's like, well, I don't believe you. And I'm like, okay, well, look, you see this flashing light? And he's, it was like a computer. I think I had one of my hard drives plugged in and he's like, yeah, I see it. And he's like, okay, well that flashing light means it's working. So we're all good. Uh, <laughs> so I, now I needed to make sure I, for like a good month, I needed to make sure I had something blinking in the office that I could point to, to make sure he knew that the elephant fence was like we tried to explain it It was like there's no wild elephants and if an elephant breaks out of a zoo enclosure the closest one is a two-hour drive and i'm pretty sure they're gonna catch the elephant um but he wasn't kind of funny (laughs) it is kind of funny i i do like that he's you know elephants are just like one of those animals that they put in children's books often to be like kind of cutesy or whatever you know like make them watch dumbo well that was this is the thing we couldn't uh, when we were trying to to kick the fear. Like um, we talked to a few folks, and they said, "Well, try watching some movies, as you suggested, Dumbo, or watch a documentary, or try to have him confront his fears in some way." Uh, multimedia wasn't working. Like he wouldn't watch Dumbo. We tried to watch a documentary on Disney Plus, which was designed for kids, wasn't having it, made it worse. And we finally said, "Like, okay, well, let's see where we can go see a real elephant." So the closest place in there's only one place in Ontario that you can go to see elephants. And I guess it's uh, a African lion safari. I've never been Ashley went a bunch as a kid. I feel like African lion safari has a jingle like that's in my head. Yes. It's like African lion safari. safari. Yeah. 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 I think, ah, oh, geez. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It is definitely that. And uh, I don't know if they use it anymore. It was not present while I was there, but 
I mean, all that to be said, like we uh, months ago, he, he's not he was he's not afraid of it anymore. I think summer something happened and he was fine and he just never came up again. And then we went to see the elephants at African Lions of Art. He enjoyed it. Um, we had a great time. But the elephants were like kind of the last exhibit we saw because we took the tour, which is in this like bus and you go through like the safari side of uh, of the park and then there was a water we ate lunch and then there was a water park and then finally we went to see the elephants and by the time we got there he was like he saw them he's like okay great and then he he spent more time climbing a tree that was next to the exhibit um with his friend than we did uh <laughs> see I, I spent more time looking at the elephants and i was like whoa those are some those are some elephants and um it's the only place in ontario you could go see them and we we did it and but it was it was nice because I think it was one of our few excursions where like we had a couple of them, but this was our first one where we were staying overnight at a friend's place. And I mean, I got to say, as a parent, it is so awesome to stay at another kid friendly house. Like, I don't know if you've experienced this before when you're traveling, but like going to a house that isn't set up to be kid friendly and in you're constantly having like maybe you don't have this anymore. Your kids are older, um, and we we certainly only have the issue with the youngest. But it's just it's so much more reassuring to go to a place that is kid friendly. Like you've got the gate set up, you've got the 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 all, all the dangerous stuff put away. You know, there's toys on every level for the kids to play with. It was just it was so nice. It was a nice not only was it a nice visit, but it was nice to not have to worry about like, are the kids going to get into anything that they shouldn't like it constantly happens at Ashley's parents at my parents. It's like, well, I, like I, I eventually had to give up It's like as long as it wasn't dangerous. But like I remember, you know, the the in-laws were getting upset. It's like, oh, they shouldn't be touching this, this glass vase. And I'm like, there, there's a a five, four and two year old here. Why did you leave a glass phase out within reach? Like, it's almost like, why? What? Move it. I, I, I would always move it. Cause the first thing I do when I come in is like, Oh, you've left this very breakable glass vase, uh, within grabbing distance of a toddler. Like I'm going to move it for you just cause it's my first thing before I even say hi to everyone. I'm just going to move this glass vase. And I think it's just, it's nice to go to a place where like they already have kids. They, they know what's up. They're, They've got the electrical outlet covers. They've got the gates. They've got all the breakable stuff moved and, and locked away. It's just, it's relaxing. It's a lot more relaxing. You don't have to worry about what, what the kids are going to get into. But You know what's more relaxing than that, Ryan? What's that? Leaving leaving your kids and going somewhere else. Like leaving them leaving them home and then you going somewhere like a spa. That's relaxing. I mean, but I guess yes. I get. I guess going to a house with your kids and not worrying about them destroying the house or killing themselves is also, in a way, relaxing. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Did you go to a spa? Is this like an elaborate segment? No. Oh segue? no. Okay. I'm just saying the term "relaxing" for this was not what I I would have gone with, but I understand where you're coming. Maybe from. not relaxing, it, but like reassuring. Maybe. Yeah. I get it. You I get, get it. it. So, African yeah. lion safari. I don't, I, I'm going to have to, to, to check this I'm out. I'm going to have to get the clip. I don't have it ready, but I'll I'll make a note so folks can hear it and they'll know what I'm talking about. And yeah, it's fine. I It's fine. It's fine. Ryan, do you have any listener feedback? Uh, we don't, we don't that people should email us, uh, maybe suggest you a spoiler chat, she Hulk or Xenoblade Chronicles three. What? Stop. I haven't even watched she Hulk. Stop throwing out random, random stuff. Let's do spoiler chat of make you play all five. If you want Ryan to play all five quests for glory (laughs) games, then we can discuss them in detail. You can email the show dad at TGI studios.com D a D at TGI studios.com. Uh, we want to hear from you, and we want to read your emails on air, and we want to comment on them. Uh, and uh, you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. That's where all our previous episodes reside. You can also follow us on Twitter. We have a show account, at dndcast. And uh, at dndcast is where you, if you follow that, you'll find out whenever we put out a new episode. And uh, we would love it if you would do that. But you know what? 
Ryan and I, both individuals of individual natures. We have our own individual Twitter accounts. I'm at Crofton Steers. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And Ryan, we did it. That's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Do you have any final words before I say to the audience to have a great week? Uh, Well, I'll say this. I love that I suggest a delightful 30-minute a sitcom Marvel show for us to spoiler cast. And you, you're going to make me go back and play uh 30 year old point and click adventures that are probably a lot more of an investment. So yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Totally fair. Have a great week, everybody. Bye everyone. Go on!